going on? I guess it's been uh, it's been a it's been a while. Yeah, since we did a pot. Yeah, Where, like, what was happening? We did well. We did we did the Richie and Josh Pong episode. Yeah, and we made that two. Then parts. we pushed that into two parts. Yeah. Then yeah. I got COVID. Right. Now was maybe, it COVID? Uh, I don't know. That? I don't know. Is that just like the new word for a fucking cold? Is that what everybody's using? Yeah, but I mean, it felt like it was like, or, well, the, the thing is, I was talking to someone yesterday and I was like, it was either COVID or the flu. True. It just wasn't like a cold. Right. It was like more than just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I was like pretty beat for like a day, like True. a full day of just like, fuck. And then like two days of being sick and now I still have like a residual cough. Yeah. yeah. But then in my friend uh, also who I was, well, Jay, who we went to Danny's with for yeah. his birthday, he got COVID like the next Confirmed day. Confirmed COVID? Yeah, like he was, he tested positive. But I didn't get, I didn't get whatever I got for like another like week or something. So yeah. whatever. The point is I was sick. So there's no pod. Yeah. Now we're here. It's now been a here. lot. This, but that's the thing. That's why I was like, we should do a solo. But like, because there's a lot. To, it's, it's not like one of those things where we're just like yeah. doing every week being like, oh, we want to talk about it. Uh, well, here's some reality TV. Yeah, well, we actually, here's some up. reality TV. Yeah, yeah, I have so much to talk about right now that right, I'm let's, almost like not wanting to get into it because... Well, let's get into it a little bit. Let's let's just keep it... You were talking about squid, the Squid Game show. The Squid show. Game show. So I, when I was sick, this is something that I was not planning on watching. Like, mm. I was just like, it's like Squid Game, the challenge. Like, yeah. highest prize ever. Da, da, da. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just do not care. Yeah. But when you're homesick you kind of got to watch some bullshit. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. And the chokehold this show had on me and how quickly I got sucked into it because it's so dystopian in the sense where it's like, I guess the number is like 456 or something is like the prize and there's 456 players. And within the first, I don't know, 30 minutes of the show, like 200 people are eliminated. Yeah. And it's people being like, like and they're, they're all like, I'm going to win this. I'm going to da 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 And they're just like... And it's like that. It, it's like that red light, green light thing from the TV show, where mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, if you move and then if you if you stay still and then you move and you just get eliminated. And like, just the 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 level of defeat on these people's players. I saw that one Twitter clip of that guy just like breaking down because he lost a challenge. Yeah, because it's well. So the, here's the fucked up. There's too many fucked up things about this show, but one of which is that like you know in the in the scripted show they get shot and killed, yeah. but in this they have like this like little like secret like pouch on their chest. So when you get eliminated, and you like you don't know because you can't. It's like it's like attached to your like skin, basically under your shirt. Right. So when they get like shot and killed in it, it goes like, <laughs> poof, and they like actually like visibly like like fall down because it like it's like kind of like a weird shock to them, right? That's insane. So it creates this thing of them just being like, not only being like, player two twenty five, you're eliminated. It's like. Poof, and then it's like player 225 you're eliminated fuck. and they're just like fuck and they're like crying people are like legit bummed but the reason it's extra fucked is because it's not like a game like or a regular game show yeah. where it's just like it's like you do the thing and then if you don't do the thing you are eliminated there's yeah. like all these like things up to chance that just no one knows like yeah. they'll bring out like a telephone and they'll be like, you have five minutes to decide the, the, the five players that are going to pick up the telephone. And they're right. like, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Like, they don't know. And then, like, someone will just go, like, oh, fuck it, I'll just pick up the phone. And they, like, pick up the phone. It's like, player 215, eliminated. Like, it's getting <laughs> shot. Because it's like, fuck. It's like the level at which players just, like, go yeah. is, like, insane. And then they also, last thing I'll say is they do this thing where, again, it's something where they call people up and they don't. And, like, sometimes it's good things. Like, some people get advantages and stuff. But, like, they call up, like, five players that, like, decide on their own. And they, like, go up there and they have to, like, open this box and, like, choose or, like, and do what the, the box says. And it'll just be, like, 
you have to eliminate five players. And they're just like standing in front of everybody. And at this point, it's dwindled down to a couple hundred. And they're just like, well, player uh, 125, gone. And she's like, they're just, just picking people off for no reason. Damn. It's like, it's vicious. Have you been watching The Curse? I have been watching The Curse. Also I just, insane. That show I, is like oh, next level. It's I think it's like one of the best things I've seen. But I was watching, so I uh, I watch Real Life by Albert Brooks. Have you okay. heard of this? No. It's like this movie um, about this filmmaker who like decides to make one of the first reality shows. Yeah. Um, and he like they like do all this testing to find like the perfect family, and then the whole plan is to follow this family for a year in their life and like get to like the heart of what reality is right, like. You right. know. Um, and this is before reality TV, right? This is in like. And like early, late seventies, early eighties. Oh 80s. shit! Okay. Um, by the comedian Al Brooks, you'd know him if yeah. you saw him. Yeah. Um, and it's like so much of it was stolen for the curse in the best fucking way, okay. though. Like it's it's just it's. But what, was, what I found super interesting about it is the, is real life focuses so much on like the insanity of the director who wants right. to make the reality show, right? right. Whereas. Uh, it, the curse is obviously about like the subject, the people yes, who yes, want to be yes. on the reality shows, yes. the people who want to be the subject of the reality shows. Right. So it's a really interesting like it's switch from on... like like you know the eighties to now well, as to like what what is interesting about reality. It's and, a, like, and also just like is like a bit mm. of a sort of commentary on like the sort of the sort of uh, main character syndrome mm. of people who want to be in things like television shows, yeah. want to be the star of their Instagram <laughs> the videos. star of their or, own life. Exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it, it creates this, but it's also just like, it is one of those shows that I can't like, I've equally found myself like shaking my head in disgust yeah. and laughing maniacally yeah. at just completely different yeah. things. Yeah. Like it's like, I'm, I'm just like, my eyes are wide fucking open the when, entire time. When, when the, when like, the girl oh who puts God. the curse is like, like, what was the curse you did? She's like, I took the chicken from his dinner. Yeah, like, <laughs> and then like, what he just like, it's just Nathan just <laughs> fixing the door handle, just like looking off for like a minute. It's like, incredible also the like small dick part was like oh my unbelievable God. i also just like haven't like we've talked about this a lot of like sh like the, the, there's like a new shift in movies that are yes. like feel very very contemporary and it's yeah. like the first time in a while that movies have felt yeah. contemporary that there's like a feeling of a contemporary identity you know yeah. and this is like the ultimate yes because it just feels so of the now in a way that's like just i mean amazing just so well done and right. like so yeah it's so good i can't no, I wait no it's 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 and there's so many little also i have to say benny safty is like an incredible actor oh yeah like i knew he was good i've seen him in i mean i haven't seen oppenheimer but i saw him in you know good time and like uh uh the pta movie yeah. um and i always thought he was great but in this you know when you're watching something and it's like very rare that i say this but when you're watching somebody it's an actor who you know yeah. and you actually disassociate from what you know of the actor yeah, it's kind of transformative it's like yeah. nuts and it's it's not even just the hair and makeup like yeah. which is awesome like his look and his haircut is fucking incredible and so the styling and the jewelry so is good. amazing <laughs> the but drunk driving bit is like the funniest <laughs> thing ever the fact that he pulls over is just like, <laughs> i know <laughs> When he's like, yeah, it just so happened that I got pulled over the one time I happened to be over the legal dr drinking women. <laughs> like, and then her, the look on her face, too. Oh and then God. she's like, you know, we, most guys wouldn't do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, oh also, just like, uh. it does the thing, too, that like I love about some of these shows that where it, 
and I know it's sort of like obviously the like trendy word to use and whatever, but like the liminal space kind of thing. But it does this thing where the the show feels so transient yeah. and trapped in this sort of like it is contemporary, but it's also kind of like it just feels like a weird dream world. Yeah. Even though it is very hyper realistic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it, I think that's just like, that is what is the now. Yeah. And, yeah. You know? And that's like, so it's, it's, and I feel like most people have been avoiding that. They've yes. been like, how do I capture the contemporary world when it is this liminal strange exactly. space, exactly. you know? And they were just like, well, let's fucking capture that. Like, but but that that's, and that's the thing though. The liminal space in our lives is actually the real world yeah. because so much of the non-liminal space, I guess, is what they're shooting yeah. in, in our minds now. It's yeah. like, it's like when you watch, like, you know, in their mind, their life is just so like whatever and they're yeah. trying to have a baby and blah, blah, blah. But then yeah. like when the cameras come on, yeah. that's the excitement of like, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's really crazy. I, like my, I was hanging with my nephew. It was my nephew's fifth birthday and like, even he already has this like ability to perform yes. this like performative aspect to him. And, and like my niece, who's one and a half years old, literally will just be like chilling and then we'll put the camera on her and she's yeah. like yeah. all of a sudden up and going. It's and, like, and it's because we never, we never, we never had full access to video cameras in the, like, you know, having a video camera, childhood video camera is a thing. Of yeah. course, like people had them and stuff, but it was still maybe viewed a little bit more like a, special occasions yeah. thing where you're going to actually do something yeah. like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to just being like, cause like, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really like, we never hammed it up for like a digital camera. Yeah. You know what I mean? But something yeah. about the immediacy of just like the video yeah. and it being everybody having one. Yeah. And also the fact that we live in a world where like, you know, we can upload it immediately to something. It can be viewed by others immediately and has the chance of going viral. Yeah. It's like that just creates this. Not that I'm saying that your one-year-old niece understands that, but yeah. maybe it to some degree kind of. Yeah, I don't know. You know? I have no idea. I mean, yeah, it's insane. It's fucked. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just can't wait to see where this show's going. But I would also recommend anyone listening to watch Real Life by Albert Brooks because, first of all, it's hilarious and amazing. Yeah. But also just like to see like all the similarities from then to now yeah. and then also the subtle differences yeah. is like re a really interesting way to look at, yeah. you know. And also like shout out to the score and the oh, music yeah. and the music yeah. supervision in that show. Yeah. It's one of the tricks, right? Uh, he did this, he did the supervision <laughs> of it. Uh, this other guy did the actual score. I forget True. what his name is. Uh, but then also just the fact that there's so much like Alice Coltrane just like littered, which just gives it this like weird dreamy quality that's yeah. just like, like even the fucking like, the way the third, ugh, whatever, I don't want to talk too much about this, yeah. but the, even the way the third episode just ends with Alice Coltrane playing as like the guys just like guarding that fucking basically empty coffee shop. With a fucking with, gun. With a gun and it just cuts and freeze frames to his face as just like Alice Coltrane fades. It's just like, this is like it's next level. It's insane. And shout out to Nathan for being one hell of a director. I didn't, uh, yeah. didn't really Those think. Those two other guys, I forget their names, but <laughs> I'm surprised Benny Safdie's not directing. Kind of, Maybe he will though. I mean, there's, yeah, I'd like to see him direct there's, an there's still more episodes to come. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess other than that, it's been pretty chill around here. We should say shout out to Nina for finally dropping, uh, their big, their big website. Yeah. People are uploading music like crazy, yeah, which is good. Off. It is popping off. And their editorial section, I got to say, if you're listening, go to ninaprotocol.com and uh, listen to some music and read some articles about OPN, RXK Nephew, and uh, niche scenes around the world. And thermal. 
And thermal. <laughs> and thermal. Can't, can't forget thermal. Uh, it is so funny still, though, because I was talking to Tony Price, and we've obviously been, you know, pro Nina because why the fuck wouldn't you be? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. 100% of the, of the, of the profits go to the artist. Yeah. But for some reason, there are still skeptics. And these skeptics, some of them are listening because, you know, these are my friends that I'm talking to when we're sharing DMs from morons being like, what's going on here? And I'm like, I, I, it's gotten to the point where I can't even be bothered to explain it anymore to people. Right. Like, you can... These are the same people that are complaining about something like Nina are the same ones who are being like, you shouldn't be posting your Spotify wrapped because <laughs> da 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 da. And I'm just like, so you're, you're saying don't support Spotify, but also don't support any other small business that's yeah. trying to help you. Yeah, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense, guys. <laughs> yeah, you can't win. You can't <laughs> you win really with can't. those people. You can't win. You really can't. <clears throat> Anyways, if you're a musician, you should upload your music to Nina. It's very easy. This is not a paid sponsorship. These are just... Words from a fellow musician. Yeah. Speaking of music, we have uh, we have a guest today, and uh, we throw around the word legend quite often around here. Pretty loose with it. We're pretty loose with it, and I stand by everyone that I call a legend because we're all legends in our in our own minds. But if there is a legend of the legends, but if there is a fucking Toronto legend, if there's a man that I knew of long before <laughs> I ever stepped foot in a nightclub, mm-hmm. it's Dan Burke. The legendary rock and roll concert promoter, the legendary journalist. He's lived many lives. He's done many things. Constantly reinventing. Constantly reinventing himself. <laughs> Everybody knows him. I love him. Dan Burke is going to be here, and I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say. So I'm very excited about this. Uh... Dan, welcome. Dan, welcome to the pod. Oh. Glad to be here. This is this has been a funny, long time coming thing because you're somebody I've wanted to interview for a long time because you're someone I've known for a very long time. Right, yeah. Through thick and thin, good, bad. There's Everybody's got a Dan Burke story. Oh, yeah? Has there been bad? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no not, not for me. I just, I was, we were watching a... Uh, yeah, we've, we've got a pretty smooth uh, no, no, we've got history, a good, yeah. No, no, we have, I, I, didn't, I meant just in general, because we were watching an old video of yours that was like for the sun or something. You yeah. remember that? Uh, yeah. And it's like, you have a quote that Austin, who you don't have any, you, this is your first time meeting, this, right? Yeah, this is, our, yeah, this is okay. our first time meeting. I've heard, I've heard about him through you, but the event bookings and but stuff. I was, but I was, I was showing him that video and you had a quote where you said, what was it? Uh, uh, I know about 2000 people in the city. Yeah. And about 30,000 of them know who I am. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you got the, you know, if you're doing running shows and and uh, often doing the door yourself on them, you're going to, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, automatically get a lot of uh, um, contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the older I get, though, the harder it is to remember. Right. Everyone's just these. Yeah, it becomes a a mass. Of but I feel people. like everybody knows you, though. You're you're quite a man about town. Uh, yeah, in a you know like a fish in a limited aquarium, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but a but a, a pretty important one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think so too. Uh, important. Uh, consequential, perhaps. Is yeah, a yeah, word. yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of shows that have uh, 
had an impact uh, or you know just a night out enjoying yeah, people, yeah. A, a night out enjoying themselves you yeah, know? yeah yeah and seeing a band they like or seeing a, a you know a band they didn't know of and then right you know yeah, yeah because yeah. of the show they now like that band yeah, right, for right. all of them yeah um yeah and working with a lot of uh a lot of uh Canadian and, uh, and American and you know Japanese especially right, right. Zuwans um, classic had a, have it a lot of them and uh, you know being able to make some form of contribution to their development and you know their uh, you know a system in their Ambitions, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, give them a show in Toronto at the very least. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, exactly. You help this guy do that a couple times, right? Of course. Yeah. The amount of shows I've, the amount of Dan Burke shows I've done over the last fifteen years is plenty. Is it fifteen? Yeah, I've probably known you for about fifteen yeah, years. Probably, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, damn, time really flies. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and are you still are you still putting on shows? I saw that there was something today, right? Yeah, I have a show yeah. with Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got a show. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Coming up. It just never ends. Yeah. The show's that's, just uh, yeah, that's also the, um, And I haven't worked with Josh in a while, uh, but uh, this is uh, something I do. It's part of a series I do every year. It's called uh, the Class of whatever year. This one being the Class of twenty twenty four. And what it, I, I created it in um, twenty fourteen. Um, at the uh, Silver Dollar when mm-hmm. I was um, principal booker there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the series is all about is uh, presenting artists uh, very, at the very beginning of the year, presenting artists that you feel will uh, will potentially have a uh, an impact that year right. or, you know, um, advance. Yeah, uh, bands with promise to you know rise to a, a higher level and become uh, you know um, what they're set, setting out to be. Yeah. Well, we had we had Bria on here uh, a couple a couple months ago, yeah. and she sure. was talking about when she was playing in Orville Peck. Yeah, she was talking about the rise of Orville Peck, and she was like, she was like, look at it this way. She's like Orville Peck played class of let's say twenty nineteen or something twenty eighteen yeah twenty actually might have been twenty nineteen okay yeah. and then she was like we did that show at either the Silver Dollar or the Monarch it was at the Monarch at the Monarch yeah. and then she was like and fast forward to a year later that same year that November wow. sold out at the Danforth Music Hall damn so it just goes to show that there's like that these these success like these things do happen it's not just well like, the fir- the first year um, that I. Re- it's just you know began talking about 2014 yeah. one show that year stood out uh and that was um i had lito pimienta okay um who you know as a graduate went on to great things yeah um and uh you know i've had bands like dilly dally yeah um helena delon from montreal who i just uh, had at the horseshoe nice and, you know that Sold three hundred tickets, so yeah. she's been doing well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who else? Frigs, which yep. is uh, yeah. Yeah. Bria's well. band mm-hmm. uh, before uh, Orville Peck, uh-huh. yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, who else? Wine Lips, who are actually uh, this Saturday are playing Lee's Palace, and oh, that sorry. that'll do about um, four hundred people, four hundred, five hundred people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they've they've gone on and fulfilled the. Um, the destiny was, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. That, I, that I hope, you know, and not all of them can. You yeah. know, what it is, 
like the class of series is um, uh, a bit like in sports, you know, the draft. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Year, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, totally. You know, this year, like for instance, um, from last year's draft, you got uh, Connor Bedard playing for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, who's uh, you know um, perhaps the next uh, um, Austin Matthews or whatever. You know, he's <laughs> destined for great things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but not everybody can be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, I mean, yeah. some that's, first that's draft picks don't <laughs> don't make it. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, totally. They, they they don't you know their career. Uh, just goes bust in the NHL. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's a bit, it, it, you know, you're taking a look at seven, seven Toronto shows this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, previously, we've had in Montreal, uh, um, Vancouver, Edmonton. We've, we've gone all over the country with this thing. <laughs> Halifax, one year even. Damn, yeah. really? Uh, but I've, listen, I'm getting older, so I'm, and it's more manageable just doing Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, totally. And let's be real, that's where all the best bands come from, huh? Well, sure, yeah, or they, used, <laughs> they used to come here yeah. to, to um, uh, pursue their uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ambitions. Uh, but that's not happening too much anymore. Really? No, it seems to be that Toronto's less of a place that bands well, are it, migrating it was, to. There's a good reasons for that, and yeah. that would be uh, that... Uh, uh, the rents are very high. Yeah. Um, so imagine moving. You know, how do you move a whole band from, say, Simcoe, Ontario, right. or, or from, uh, you know, somewhere in Alberta, or yeah. you know, or, or Halifax, yeah. uh, to Toronto? Yeah, um, especially with the internet, where it's like it's it is le- it seems to be less necessary that you are in you know kind of a cultural vacuum you know you're in like a cultural epicenter because you can upload it to the internet and mm-hmm. that's 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 true and in, in, you know for instance i could do my job booking and promotion yeah from anywhere in the world as long as i have wi-fi yeah, yeah, yeah. um but uh you know in order to do it f- properly completely i gotta be here to mm-hmm. get to know bands yeah see them playing and and you know, run the shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. and develop but, a, an actual. Yeah, so but any any job stuff, can yeah. be done. Um, <laughs> yeah, remotely. But now. it won't remotely. be done as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, and that's true. But uh, I mean, you know, you just got to look back historically. Let's say in the 1960s, in order to record a record, mm-hmm. you had to go into a studio, and you know, you needed money for that. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, all kinds of things, and. Um, now you could just do it at home. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And the equipment's pretty affordable. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, even this, this we have this we have is, enough to make an album right here. Yeah, this much. is literally <laughs> this is my equipment that I use to record my music. And yeah. when we started doing this podcast, I was like, Well, we just plug a couple of mics and we can record these conversations. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's become it's become Yeah, it is this I do think though that there's something that is missed in the you know the in person, the the like the you scene. said, the building, the relationships, the scene, the mm-hmm. the whole thing because you build off of each other, you know, you know like you Well the important thing about the the, the bands coming from the for instance, t- take a band like um Breeze, led by Josh Carodi, mm-hmm. formerly Beliefs. Now I can't remember the name of Josh's first band. But he came, they came from St. Catharines. Okay. And I remember booking them, and uh, that was the beginning of my relationship with Josh, you know. And they were a pretty good band. Were they called Beliefs? I don't even think they were called Beliefs. Whatever. Was anyway, it Wish? He, was it Wish? Uh, what's that? Wish? Possibly, was, was yeah. That, different, that might, that might have, have actually been a, se- a yeah, second yeah, I think, I think In, in any case, he'd come here from St. Catharines, Ontario, mm-hmm. moved here, mm-hmm. you know. 
to pursue his uh, ambitions as a, a musician, you know. Yeah. And um, and when when you have bands like that coming to the city from from elsewhere and settling here, um, what what they also do is because that's their life, that's their purpose mm-hmm. of being here. They go to a lot of shows, yeah. right? Right, right, right. Because they're, you know, they're networking. They want to see other bands. That, you know, you want to this is what they're all about, yeah. and, yeah. and uh, so it also uh, contributed to the attendance, right, yeah. right, right, of uh, of shows, right, and and created a and, and created a, a community mm-hmm. wherein you know um, a lot of these musicians could integrate, you know, right, mm-hmm. right, form other bands and right. and, and and develop, you know, yeah, yeah. totally, and. I don't think that's happening. As much, that's what you know. I was about to ask you. Do you feel? Like- I, I, I listen. I don't know if I'm the best judge of that right now because I'm older, and I don't. I'm no longer developing. Well, I do. Yeah, I am working with some younger bands, mm-hmm. but not as many as I used to. Right? Yeah. Um, and the older you get, the more of a distance there is yeah. between you and and. Uh, you know the up and coming talent right. because they're younger, right? Yeah. right and uh, um, <laughs> I get older and older. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, I used to be have social relationships with right. bands, um, right? And uh, uh, not too much anymore. Though <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I, I, you know, do become acquainted and, and friendly with some. Yeah, yeah. 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 So in, in any case, I'm not so sure that I am. Right. 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 Uh, Seeing uh, all events, for instance, for this year's class of 2024 roster, I did use. I had a lot. I had a lot of input from um, Exclaim, who were just pitching some bands, right, right, and um, and uh, or, or presenting me with a list of bands who could be prospects for the yeah. series, and uh, and there, yeah, a few of them I did actually use. Right. Whereas in the in the past, I tended to do it almost. Like entirely on. by myself. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, but it's also good to maintain a level of that as well because I think that's something that you can look back when you look back at some of the lineups over the years. It's like the hand pick nature of it is, it must feel nice to be like, not to be like, I discovered this band, but mm-hmm. to have helped out in some way to sort of push a lot of these artists, you know, onto bigger and better things as they go tour, you know, for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It does. It, it, it's a nice thing. Um, yeah. Well, it feels like you've contributed, you've, That's my, you've, yeah. you know, had some worthwhile, um, um, worthwhile duty in, in society, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, that you've actually contributed something. Um, and Orville Peck was just, uh, I remember the, uh, he actually played the silver, the, excuse me, the uh, Monarch Tavern, once before, okay, um, that the class of uh, twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen series, whatever yeah. it was, and uh, I remember like immediately I says, "This guy's a class act." <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. within within um, one minute, of the, <laughs> the first song, yeah, the voice, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, and the the composure, yeah, the professionalism, and it was very, and he very clearly had an idea. Of what he was doing with yeah. this, there was a game plan. There's yeah, an intention, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. He wasn't just—he wasn't making it up as he goes along. <clears throat> no. no, no, this was. Well, he, he has a background in theater, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently, in the West End of London. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, this was a 
of theatrical. He created this alter ego, totally. right. Orville Peck. Yeah. yeah. His real name being Daniel. Yeah. I don't even know if we're allowed to say <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. I'm really interested in kind of like what, like, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, like intention and composure and professionalism and, you know, and all those things. Oh, but this like, guy had it from the jump. He so, was, he was, he was a professional. That's yeah. a, so what else are you looking for when you're like looking at these young bands? Like what are, what are the determining factors? What separates like one from the other, you know? Or yeah, I mean, it's probably Ooh. not as clearly. You can't break it down like that. But if you could name a few, or are there, mm. or or are there examples of maybe acts that didn't have that? That maybe because you know sometimes, we, as a musician, I've played many shows with certain bands that aren't or people that aren't really working in music anymore. And oftentimes it was like there was I'll, this. I'll give you one example. Or, you know what? Um, the band Nobro from Montreal. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with them? Mm-hmm. I had them class of 2016, and um, they weren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> but I really liked Catherine. Right. And that band was they were they were a three piece at the time. Was willing to get on a bus from Montreal, uh-huh. same day as show, get into Toronto. And they would be catching the midnight bus back right. to Montreal. Yeah. And there was something I liked about her. And uh, and I booked them again, not not uh, you know at this regular date at the Silver Dollar. Um, this was back in the Silver Dollar days. And um, somehow I just stuck with them, mm-hmm. and they started developing. Right. And they got really good. Right. And it was either class of 2019 or class of 2020. I had them on, I repeated them, which I rarely do. Right. It was like they were the headliners for each show kind of thing. Well, it was, it was soon, as soon as someone's done a class of, then they've graduated. Right, right. right. And, you know, they're, they're on their own. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but occasionally, you know, there's always rules, but there should always be a degree of flexibility with yeah. rules totally, yeah. or policies. And I booked them, once again, I forget, 2019 or 2020. I had them on the Montreal class of show, and I had them here on a Toronto one as well. Yeah. Right. And they, they were incredible. Yeah. Right. But I already knew by then, the, the reason I repeated them, because I was watching them develop. Yeah. Yeah. So I was right on that one, even though it seemed like it was wrong. Right, right. right. So you were, if anything, you were just they, they've gone on; they're doing quite well. Oh, they, so yeah, yeah. something about their dedication to it then, and less so like the, speci- the, the yeah, how, so how honed it, their craft very, was. So whereas with Orville Peck, it's like holy shit, I got to get this guy for the class of shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And not even thinking he's going to be big, he's just fucking great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, he that really Roy Orbison voice. Yeah. And uh, you know the mask. Yeah. Uh, visually, it's he's oh, yeah. terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just that when you and, see and those the, things, and, and, and he's continued that. Yes. Right? Yeah, he's, yeah. He's just um, followed that, that yeah, path. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and uh, Lido, I I wouldn't have uh, Lido Pimienta. I wouldn't have known. She was very nice to me. I got, uh, uh, you know, we, we I booked her on some other shows previous to that, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a nice relationship and yeah. uh, very friendly. And uh, I couldn't have, however, predicted where 
where she would go. I just, I liked her. Yeah. And she was doing something interesting. Yeah. But on that show, that was 2014. Yeah, yeah. I had her on with Nysa, uh-huh. who I still love. I think, and yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. Nysa's got a, got a playing with a full band right now. But Nysa's solo yeah. is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's one of the few artists I've seen who can get up there alone and just do it, hit a button, yeah, and is uh, you know, and and no, you're mesmerized because she's she's got a uh, Liza Minnelli yeah. okay, yeah, quality, yeah, 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 totally. yeah, yeah. you know, uh, um, that kind of uh, uh, Bette Midler, yeah, wh- yeah, whoever yeah. it might be, right? Yeah, 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 but that kind of yeah, single like, woman, yeah, Shirley yeah. MacLaine, yeah. right? You know, yeah. they can dance, they can sing, yeah. they can, you know, yeah, you just got uh, it all, you know, yeah. performers, yeah, yeah. So yeah. nice, I've and she was on that show as well, right? right. With um, uh, remember Jeff Barbera from Montreal? Whoa, yeah, I do. You know, and it, Jeff was early in his transition then. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, what's Jeff called? I no, can't remember. I can't kind. remember. I'd, I'd have to dig it up. But uh, Jeff, anyway, was uh, that was so that show represented a sort of a radical like shift. Is it uh, what what um, the government's throwing out big grants now to be integrational? Right, right, right. right. Which I always get uh, offended at when I'm seeing, um, you know. Um, uh, grant applications or whatever asking for you know to, to yeah. get a proof of right. this being an equity for yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel like man I've been doing this equity shit for as long as I've been <laughs> in this business probably because I was an outsider as well right, right. right. you know I wasn't I, I wasn't a, a corporate or a yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, a really formal business like, yes uh, you know it's just me yeah, yeah. yeah. promoter. Yeah, and uh, it's a local dude. Not a, like collective. Nothing wrong with collective concerts, but yeah, yeah I know. I, you, know. I, you know, I wasn't. Yeah, you weren't doing it in the in the corporate con- context of. And and I did from the beginning of my career. Uh, had to go with um, outliers. And, right. Um, well, you also uh, c- count somewhat countercultural. Yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. Um, no, you, you've you've definitely carved a niche that I've seen over the years, and have even read about before my time in 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 the music business or going to clubs or anything. It's like you've you've carved out like a sound and a vibe and a world that I don't think is ever going to go anywhere because that's always going to be something that like you know. The de- not the degenerates, but you know the 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 the, the freaks get attracted to this sort yeah. of like that culture of like you know the first time I stepped foot in the Silver Dollar, I was like this place smells like stale beer and like <laughs> cigarettes, and it just has this like you know what I mean. But that's like what pulls you into these shows and these things as a as a as a kid. Like yeah. that was like how I got in, yeah. and so much of that is because of you. Yeah. But you I got in as an underage kid. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, maybe. <laughs> Who's to say, oh, well, actually? <laughs> but I wanted right. to, I wanted to take it back a little bit now because I feel like a lot of people don't know about your career as a journalist. Right. I feel like it's something that anytime I've like talked about it a little bit, people are like, "Really?" Like they don't know that there was this original pre-concert promoter Dan Burke. And I wanted to talk a little bit about, about those days and how you got into that and, and, and the story of of what eventually became the working on that Fifth Estate, uh, I guess it was a TV show, right? Oh, uh, yeah. It was, yeah. It was yeah. So how, so we'll, let's just talk yeah, about the journalism. Yeah, it's like, uh, be the Canadian Fifth Estate. I'm oh, yeah. sorry, the Canadian uh, version of uh, 
60 minutes. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Okay. So how did so how did this so so did you go to journalism school? Yeah, I did, but I the how I started that my father was a a newspaper man. Um yeah. and he's it was a city columnist at the Montreal Star. Um and uh, then went to the Montreal Gazette okay. uh, to cover the Montreal Canadiens, so transitioned into sports, and he became a sports columnist. He's quite well known in Montreal. Uh, anyway, he got me. I was working. Uh, I've, I've been born in December, so I finished high school when I was sixteen. Okay, we only go to grade eleven in, in Montreal. And uh, rather than continue on to see, I just um, I was working as a bus boy. Yeah, mm. um, and. Um, I guess my father saw this as perhaps not a not leading anywhere. <laughs> and <laughs> as a, as a uh, anyway, he got he um, he got me a job essentially at the Montreal Gazette as a copy boy. I started on my seventeenth birthday. Okay, seventy five bucks a week. Damn. Yeah, copy boy. <laughs> copy boys now are, they later became, I don't even know if they exist anymore. They became uh, what, what they would call editorial assistants. Right. These guys yeah. in their 30s or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Essentially a teenager's job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like a, a couple of steps up from a, being a paper boy. Yeah. <laughs> which I was. But anyway, that, 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 uh, um, Exposed me to the the newsroom, to the, you know the newspaper life, and it was looked pretty ex- exciting, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then, so yeah, that became an ambitious of mine. I, I just got yeah, I thought, well, this is what I'll yeah, yeah. do. Yeah, that's that was my introduction. Right, to right, right. So yeah. then when and uh, I want anyway, I ended up going to uh, I quit being a copy boy at. Uh, 18 and a half, because <laughs> I thought I was too old. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, we kind of developed, you know, and younger in those days. Yeah. <laughs> 18 and a half, kids, most kids don't even, haven't even started working yet. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I ended up going to Ryerson. I, I bounced around the country a bit and ended up going to Ryerson and then uh, became a, a journalist. For, uh, it was and moved back to Montreal, a freelance journalist. I worked for uh, publications like McLean's Magazine, the mm. uh, Montreal Gazette, um, and uh, eventually went to the Fifth Estate into television. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I was there for from 1990, 1991 to nineteen ninety five. Okay, uh, and I did some stories which had some impact mm-hmm. um, I was a re- researcher first and then associate producer and then I just left work one day and never went back <laughs> <laughs> in 1995 right. and I went astray but you before understand. we get to that there was there was a very specific fifth estate episode I suppose that I feel like had yeah well that, that came from uh, there was a recent uh, a documentary released uh, last November called uh, "Kings of Coke." Okay, <laughs> and uh, pretty hackneyed uh, title, but uh, <laughs> the it was it was it was a documentary about uh, a time in Montreal when there was um, great upheaval in the underworld and uh, involving uh, the West End Gang, which is uh, largely seen as an Irish, uh, you know, Irish Canadian organized crime group. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, the Hells Angels and uh, a lawyer called Sidney Leithman, the biggest criminal lawyer in the city, who was mm -hmm. murdered. Uh, the murder of uh, the great uh, West End gang, uh, Capo, Dooney Ryan. And anyway, I, I, this was pretty close to home mm -hmm. because of where I come from, Montreal. And uh, I was, I'd covered, I'd done some stories in, uh, about all this stuff. And um, the most prominent one being uh, the cover of uh, Saturday Night Magazine. Saturday Night Magazine was a, a monthly, okay. um, Canadian monthly, quite good. Um, I guess the walrus would be the, the equivalent. What, the, uh, equivalent of it yeah, now, yeah. Mm -hmm. but Saturday Night was a lot. It was a lot better. It was more like Harper's, you know, or uh, than in New York or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. more <clears throat> more glamour, more substance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, I had, I had the cover story, and that that was about this fellow, Dooney Ryan, okay. who was uh, murdered in um, in a motel room where. Uh, the same restaurant where I was a busboy when I was 15 oh, and 16 years know, old. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a place called Nidolo's Restaurant uh, in the district where I grew up. And it, there was a motel in the back. Uh -huh. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's where I uh, first started. Anyway, th th this was, um, you know, it was close to home. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. But it... Got a lot larger than that, and when I was at the Fifth Estate, we started doing another story. I went to visit somebody <coughs> in a federal prison in Alberta okay. in the summer of uh, 92, and they gave me a bit of information to pursue uh, about a potentially corrupt RCMP officer. Okay. And the RCMP who was suspect was actually quite high ranking. It's this guy, Inspector Claude Savoie, who'd been head of the Montreal Drug Squad. Mm. It was a very high position, high, very important position. Mm -hmm. So um, someone like us corrupt is a pretty serious thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, pursued this story and found various information. Didn't have the guy cold, but the day before the episode questioning his relationships with certain um, underworld figures, uh, mm -hmm. came on the air. He blew his brains out in RCMP headquarters Whoa. in um, Ottawa. And uh, that was that. That was a, you know, in, in those Fifth Estate stories, those investigative stories, they often say it's a sort of a uh, trade uh, trade lingo. Right, uh, right. A smoking gun. Right, you know? right. That... Story sure had a smoking gun, <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, so that that was just part of it, was part of a, a beat, a part of a, a continuing story I developed over time, right, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. right, right. You know, you cover, you get it, you, you know, in journalism 
Well, kind of like in in in, in music, <laughs> the promote you know promotional business, you get a beat, right? Right. You're known for booking, you know, out country acts. That's right. your specialty. You yeah. Know? It might be a bit broader, or whatever, but you got that kind of identity. Yeah. In in journalism, you know, many reporters uh, develop a beat, mm-hmm. right? Whether it be. Um, uh fashion okay, right. or you know labor or mm. you know finance um and uh and what was your beat what's that what was your beat my beat would be underworld affairs <laughs> okay. or, 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 good beat organized crime yeah yeah and uh yeah i did a lot of i covered the i covered a lot of stuff so I were mean, you I, I did um were you working undercover like were you like like how, no, no, there's no undercover. I, I'm, I'm just curious as to how these present, things work. You always present yourself as a okay. reporter. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and uh, doing, uh, you know, doing a certain story. Uh-huh. Right. And asking questions about a certain thing. Uh-huh. Which is not that easy in, in that world because not a lot of people want to talk. People want to talk. reveal things. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd have to get to know these guys. Well, yeah, like, got to develop relationships. Police contacts. Right. And... Uh, criminal lawyers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, various people. But I, I also knew people, you know, I grew up with people who went on to that right. uh, yeah. life. And um, and uh, so, yeah, that was just, it seemed to be an, an area. And people love crime stories. They do. They I do. mean, it's, it's still even going. more than ever now, too. Like, yeah. true crime is like, they got true crime podcasts. Yeah, they're every, like the number one podcast. Yeah, everything is. Podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, well, I remember, you know, when I had a cover story, I remember in, in uh, the cover story, a uh, front page feature uh-huh. on Saturday in, in, in the Montreal Gazette uh, one year, back when I was doing this. Um, and uh, it was about a, a, a cocaine kingpin, this guy, Tito Pacheco from South America, uh, quite an interesting character. But uh, my grandmother like the story you know? <laughs> and I remember then thinking yeah this is it's, it's amazing how you sort of uh, the broad got a, a very broad interest yeah, in, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, broad this audience for sure yeah, <laughs> that's yeah that's right about what you know about you know <laughs> yeah so you felt close that, to this have, subject. having some familiarity with uh, yeah. with with the 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 underbelly of of yeah, yeah just criminality criminality seemed to be uh Part of life in Montreal, right? From a very, very early age. I mean, that's a city where you had two weekly crime tabloids: mm. <laughs> Allo Police and Photo Police. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know of another city that has one. <laughs> Montreal had two, really, and and it would almost glamorize, right? Uh, Gangsters, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it 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 was a reflection of well, Montreal is a very criminal city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you it's know, still maybe a, still a, is a flexible morality to it. <laughs> totally. Right. I think as a lot of musicians have found out, or I don't know if it still happens, but for a while there, the um, degree, the 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 number of thefts of, of uh, oh yeah like gear, music music yeah. equipment from yeah, yeah. or or the the entire van that a touring yeah. act was uh, mm-hmm. traveling in yeah with the equipment yeah yeah, yeah. in Montreal was just uh, yeah, yeah, atrocious yeah. Really? no it still ha- it happened fairly I mean I'm sure it happens all the time but I even saw you know when you just see someone post on Instagram and it was just like 
hey, we've been on tour for the last blah, blah, blah months. Yeah, I see that all the time. We played Montreal last night. Van got broken into. Everything gone. But these aren't organized. Is, right? are you still, you're still hearing it? Still hearing it to this day. Well, it's got to be organized to a certain degree because yeah. someone, I mean, uh, because organized by a small crew. Yeah. But somebody's got to be looking at. Right. Uh you know what bands are traveling into town yeah. tonight? Mm. You know That's at a, what clubs? I never mm. even thought and, of that. And uh, I mean, I would imagine that. I can't imagine as guys just seeing a van walking along be- the street because it's the, the, most of the clubs aren't in drug addict areas. Yeah, right. right. Um, so these are targeted because they're musicians because they know that they're carrying this gear because yeah. they know I where wonder. they're going to be at. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know, but. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, I, know I what wonder. Times I mean, it's got to be somebody at least reading the listings. Totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. Interesting. I find it, I, I watched, but a, it, but, it, but it wouldn't be there. Wouldn't be that much money in it, right? Yeah, for it to be, you know, a, a, a lucrative capital, business. Yeah. capital, o, yeah, yeah, capital C organized crime, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, That's. An, I, I find it really interesting to hear about Canadian organized crime and the underworld of Canada because it's. It's something we hear so much. It's so mythologized in American culture. You know, you yeah. have like all the Martin Scorsese movies, just like the gangster film is such at the epicenter of American film. And so it's so mythologized. And we know uh, crime figures like we know celebrities, you know. Right, right. Uh, but it doesn't happen in Canada. And I wonder like what what the like fear of mythologizing Because well, that's you, you never been to Montreal or you, you haven't really yeah. experienced the Mon- Montreal. But I remember my brother telling me when... Um, Mum Boucher was the head of the Hells Angels City. My brother's had a boxing match, and Mum Boucher walked into the arena. I forget, probably Paul Sauvé or something like that. It was about 5,000 people. Um, and Mum Boucher walked in, and there's a standing ovation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I couldn't figure out why that. The, the whole Hells Angels versus Rock Machine war, which was... So it was almost like they were publicizing it themselves. <laughs> um, there were, you, you know, the, the, they weren't hiding. Yeah, there yeah. was nothing discreet about it. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, in Montreal, uh, an underworld murder usually, was, you know, uh, you didn't. Nobody knew about it until the body was found. Right. Mm. Right. Whereas uh, you know, these guys were, uh, it was guns blazing. And bombs going off. Jesus. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, uh, every organized crime group in the world seems to be represented to some degree in Montreal. Right. Wow. Uh, but, yeah, the, 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 the West End Irish were uh, right. very heavy players. Okay. Yeah. So did you know some of these people? Yeah, I still do. <laughs> true. Yeah. Very true. Very wow. interesting. That's, yeah, because this is just something that, like, I know very little about. And like yeah. Austin was saying, it's so true that so much of it, we forget that it actually exists, you know, here, yeah. here you know, because it's so, it, it just isn't, there's no, like, you know, Corleone or, like, any yeah. of these, like, crime, like, these things that, that, that make it into. Well, you don't have that uh, uh, American, um, it's not glamorization, but, um the American treatment, the dramatic treatment. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And certainly a great movie like uh, The Godfather mm-hmm. um, starts to ball, you know. Right. No, like, actually, no, it predates that. It yeah. predates The Godfather. It's back to the Cagney days. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. Um, uh, James Cagney playing gangsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So the the uh, yeah, there's there's always uh, a fascination mm-hmm. with the outlaw. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's been since the Western, you know? It's like the Outlaws is, 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 is especially well, specifically even American in, in, film. In, yeah. in France, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, so, what, so what... Someone like Papillon, you know? Yeah, totally. So yeah. what initially drew you and to And the this British, world? the craze. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, every, it seems to be at the center of you so know, many and, cultures, and but not figures Canada. like that in Dickens' work. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but um, so, what, so what drew you to that in the first place as a journalist? Or did it go beyond... Did it go- well, you get you get into journalism. Okay, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I, what's, I, what's I, my yeah I, I need a you know I need a game here. I need I need to yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I need a play. Yeah, what's my play going to be? Yeah, and I started. I just uh, that just unfolded kind of naturally. Yeah, yeah, right. I remember as a kid actually, in in when um, <clears throat> I guess we're in grade grade five. Grade four, when um, a famous gangster named Machine Gun Molly was gunned <laughs> down by the cops, and just it was you know after a bank robbery, and it was just like uh, it would have been seen right out of uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know when they get gunned, yeah, yeah, yeah. beating for yeah, Dunaway. Totally. But uh, she was that was that type of. But we knew about it as kids. Right. Right. That's interesting to me because that probably that's probably part of the reason why you were you were drawn to it was that it like it held some some space in your your childhood mind. Do you know what I mean? Like it was yeah, it happened you, early enough. Guys, you got a sense of uh, <laughs> you know when I was a busboy, I, I knew this restaurant. It was an Italian restaurant. Yeah, Nilo's Restaurant and Garden Motel. And there was a cocktail lounge too, but there's it was it was really nice. It was two two dining rooms, mm-hmm. and uh, busboys. We were we were dressed in um, uh, server, you know, um, what do you call this busboy? Uh, yeah, yeah, like, like a cassocks or no, 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 um, vests, uh, and serve, you know, serving bread and you know pouring into the water glasses, yeah. and uh, it was it was formal, but the. But and, and and there was a great cross section of people. This is what Montreal is all about: is that society isn't that stratified there. Right, mm-hmm. right. You can find everybody in one place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. And but yeah, you could see the 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 rounders, as you would call them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the racetrack closed, yeah. coming down, you know, for and they'd be for a snack or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they looked pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. I, yeah, yeah, and they were with you know attractive women. Right. Yeah. And there was a, along this strip in in the district I come from, NDG. Uh, there was other bars too, like uh, the Cavalier, where you have uh, you know rounders hanging out, and uh, and um, and I threw and up the pool hall too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Pool wasn't a gangster place, but it was it was a very uh, streetwise place. Right. And I um, I was quite good at snooker. Okay. I developed as a very good snooker player. <laughs> Better than I was as a I played all the sports growing up, uh, <laughs> hockey, football, baseball, organized, uh-huh. which I loved. But uh, uh, I was pretty mediocre, I think, as an athlete. Um, <laughs> but snooker, I was very good at. Okay. 
And uh, so, yeah, there was there was that sort of that that world that that was uh, connected to some degree. Right, right. You were exposed to it. Some yeah. thematic degree. To it, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, damn. It's weird how romantic that like kind of idea is in my mind. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know there's so much wrong with it and so bad, but there's something. I think it's just about the locality of it. The fact that you can go to a space and you can know this the the locals so well that you even know the criminals. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. There's something that's like I don't know. There's something about that. Well, you could have in in for instance. Um, an interesting one was I was when I was doing this this story, which I referred to earlier, was cover of Saturday Night Magazine, the mm. assassination of uh, Irish Prime Lord Dooney Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, when I was doing the research on that, um, I got invited to a wedding because this woman who'd known Dooney when he was young. Uh, Shirley Trainer was her name, and she was married to the uh, owner of um, the main delicatessen. Oh yeah, on St. Lawrence, right across from Church's. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, she knew Dooney growing up, and uh, so she co- connected me to some people. But she also invited me to the wedding reception of her 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 husband's daughter. And I didn't know these people, you know. But uh, I ended up going to, and I sat at the, I was at the same table as um, as um, Leonard Cohen. Oh, <laughs> yes. Damn. Damn. Yeah, Leonard was a great friend. He was, he was a patron of the, uh, the main delicatessen. But in order to develop my relationship with uh, Shirley, I'd done a story on 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 the main about how how it's got better smoked meat than Schwartz's <laughs> yeah. because it's um, um, I think it did it's naturally it's naturally cured right. smoked and yeah yeah not anyway uh, but uh, and that was for a magazine it was it was Montreal magazine which was a monthly that was inserted into the Globe and Mail okay and uh, they anyway they wanted to do a, a staged photo for it. And um, and uh, uh, Leonard Cohen agreed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they went. Uh, Shirley went and asked him, "Hey, we help us out? Can you come pose for a f- photo?" And yeah, she went. And I, <laughs> and I had that the cut the the photo and and the opening page of that article was pinned uh, on the wall at the, uh, the the main. Okay. Wow. Yeah, but the the main just closed. I know. Yeah. I know. All right. I, I, I've got it on my. I've got it downloaded somewhere. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to send me um, that. I'd love to. I'd love to see that. Anyway, so yeah, I was sending the same uh, cable Leonard Cohen. He had a uh, a companion with him, a woman photographer, um, and then there was this other guy, David Singer. He was also a journalist. He was with his uh, wife or girlfriend, and uh, I remember I couldn't shut up. I think. <laughs> Asking uh, questions, even I, and I didn't know uh, that much about Cohen. I knew he was a singer and a poet yeah. and all that stuff. But, yeah, uh, you know, I, I was I wasn't floored by his presence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he wasn't as big as he was then. Oh, of right. course, right. I, 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 he wasn't as big as he is now. Yeah, yeah. then. Yeah, um, but he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, 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 I can imagine. And he was he was, he was a true Montrealer. He, anyway, yeah, anyway, I got to yeah. lift back. 
And that was out on, it was out on the West Island in the suburbs. And I got a lift back. Shirley teed me up with a lift back into town by a guy named Harry Yaknan, Yaki, and he was gangster. <laughs> yeah. So he, as you can see, you get uh, get all these uh, right these worlds. types of people. And 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 actually, the story about the smoked meat uh, it starts with an anecdote of um, this guy. Uh, I, I didn't name him in the article. But it's okay now, uh, Teddy Theodore who was doing an eight-year sentence for drug uh, for hashish smuggling. And uh, I knew, I, I got to know, researching, I got to know Teddy. But he told me a great story about smuggling smoke, all the stuff he's smuggling into the Medium Security Institute. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're paying off of the guards, <laughs> and, you know, getting the monogrammed shirts and so the, and wow. the, but the smoked meat, the smoke, the smoked meat being smuggled into yeah. <laughs> briskets uh, from the, the main, smuggling briskets. not from uh, not, not from, from shorts, no, no, from the main. <laughs> but Teddy Theodore, yeah, was uh, the uh, father of the great Canadian's uh, goaltender, Teddy Theodore. Okay, mm. okay. So you got your. Sports connected to gangsters. gangsters yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's all so just connected. Such That's why I say the, the 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 culture of uh, Montreal, the society isn't as stratified. Yeah. Yes. As it seems to be. Yeah. 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 To me here. You yeah, know? yeah. 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 No. Totally. So then, so so I wanted to because I mean, obviously, I know you're sober, but yeah. after this journalism, you then fall into a pretty heavy addiction. Well, that started while I was a journalist. It started while you're a journalist. Do you, yeah, do, you, yeah. do you want to talk about that at all? Is that is that cool? Not too much. But yeah. I'm, we're, we're not <laughs> we don't have to go too deep into it. I more so just want to. I more so just want to. I'm more yeah, so I, I, yeah be careful line. of drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all. Yeah, yeah. You know? And there's no reason. I mean, I've yeah, I'd uh, I'd used cocaine before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, embarking into. I tell you, the first time I freebased cocaine, what's mm -hmm. uh, that? A kind of a game changer for me, in a bad way. Uh -huh. um, first time I freebased cocaine, I was doing a story on a murdered prostitute. Okay, and um, I'd been um, engaged to do that by. Uh, uh, editor of um uh an editor at the Montreal Gazette who w w later become become the uh, later went on to become the editor-in-chief of um the Toronto Star okay Michael Cook and uh British guy um immigrated from Britain here and uh anyway he wanted a story on a murdered hooker he told me so I went out and found it there did my uh did some research and found there's a couple to choose from. Anyway, it happened to be this um, African-Canadian African uh, woman uh, and uh, pursuing that story. Anyway, that was kind of, you know, every when, nights when I had to go down to the Tenderloin District, which is St. Lawrence, the main, mm -hmm. and St. Catherine, yeah, I had to sort of pump myself up to do that because you know they don't want to, they really don't like people asking questions. Yeah, run, right. run. It's the only business where you put out a casting call that people run the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, 
Yeah, anyway, I met a, a, this, um, this pimp, Camille, and he was just as interested in me as I was in him, mm-hmm. and, you know, as so far as what I was doing. and Right. And uh, we got him pretty good. He was a Haitian dude. And, uh, yeah, we got on pretty good. Anyway, uh, I met him one night, and we talked, and he gave me some information about the the victim and that. And um, <clears throat> then I went down another night, and uh, he was there again. Then he took me somewhere. He took me to an apartment on DeRoche, and uh, he introduced me to freebase and cocaine. Damn. Damn. Phew. They said that I later read about the effect of freebase and cocaine, and it was this, it was a this uh, round table discussion of doctors in in it was in Harper's Magazine or something like that, and they and a, one guy said freebase cocaine, the feeling you get is like you've had the best meal you've ever had in your life and the best sex at the same time. Damn. <laughs> Damn. I said, yeah, that's pretty right. <laughs> Shit. But, you know, it. whereas you... Uh, uh, cocaine... Uh, what cocaine does is act, it activates serotonin. Yeah. And um, serotonin you have in your body, it runs out pretty fast. Say, and yeah. it doesn't replenish that fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Takes some time. Uh-huh. It's the... Um, it's it's the biochemical of pleasure, right? Yeah. Right. And uh, anyway, so it's kind of uh, it's true what they say about you know the the, the alcoholic or the drug addict is always chasing the first hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a big truth to that. Right? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Wow, it's the most uh, dangerous, most addictive drug. I, I used to say it caused more. Um, Cause more agony for mankind than war itself. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Seriously, free base yeah. cocaine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is what crack is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Crack yeah. is the mass marketing of free base cocaine. Yeah, right. 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 Anyway, so uh, <clears throat> you know, so my introduction to it was yeah, I was in a, a milieu doing a certain thing where I would be. Um, you know, it would be part of fitting in. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. But I also had, I also, you know, from an early age, I knew I liked to uh, I, I had a few drinking episodes, uh-huh. you know, where I was excessive drinking was when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. which should have been an early uh, sign of, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Addictive person. Well, it was an early reason. sign. Of yeah, it, yeah, uh, In retrospect, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Problematic with mm-hmm. booze and drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or susceptibility to mm-hmm. addiction. Anyway, I don't have any. any no, no, that's, no, no that's, we didn't. That's, that's, that's that was that was that was awesome. That was yeah, man, I can imagine the, mm-hmm. the no, no, I have having no that predilection just, and then being in that. So, world. You know, and I didn't, I didn't go to rehab and come out, you know, a new mm-hmm. man. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you. Did. I have been to a few rehabs, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I did that. Didn't set me straight and. Uh, I guess eventually I just ran out of gas. Yeah. You know? yeah. No, that's and, awesome. uh, you know, uh, drinking too, that would be a problem. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I've been clean for quite a while now. So. Awesome. Congrats. Yeah, and Congrats. I have no desire. To. Yeah. That's great. 
Um, Two years again. So then, how did you pick up doing the programming? Like, what 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 came? Yeah. So what? Yeah. How? What's the transition between? You said you stepped at you just. It's just day a complete work. accident where I um, I quit. Uh, I left work at the Fifth Estate. Just one day, I walked out, and I uh, I became a twenty four seven crack addict. And headquartered in Regent Park. Mm-hmm. And even though I had an apartment uh, in the annex. Mm-hmm. and uh, But that was my operational base. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And that went on for about six months. And and then I tried to, uh, I don't know, I had to... I got, in, I, got, I got back in the program. I was going to a lot of AA meetings and... Uh, a friend of mine introduced me to this couple on um, Spadina, this uh, Asian couple, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, had uh, some space in in a in a building, two floors, in fact, mm. uh, which were licensed, and they were having some trouble with Vietnamese ga- uh, gangsters at the time, uh, and. Uh, and they wanted to convert from a pool hall, one of the floors, to a, into a live music club. Okay. They heard a friend of theirs who he had a a friend of theirs or an acquaintance of theirs, uh, also Asian, uh, owned a, a, a basement bar on College, which was called the Lions Den, okay. which was doing shows and doing well. It was. It seemed to be a good generator of income. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so they said, oh, "Well, we'd like to try this." And I had no credentials whatsoever, <laughs> other than that I was uh, Anglo-Canadian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Um, but and I had been a journalist, uh, so it, that impressed him to some degree. Right. Anyways, he created a club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was and, it called? Uh, yeah, I, I named the it Shanghai Club, Club Shanghai. Club Shanghai. Okay, okay. Yeah. and it lasted about a year. Okay, and I I created that. I was sober for three months. Yeah, and then the first night I caved in. Yeah, yeah. The stress of opening a club. Wow. What, what year is this? Imagine. Like what year is this? Uh, Nineteen ninety-seven. Oh wow! Okay, crazy. Anyway, I learned the ropes about. I got interested in. I had guys booking for me. Actually, John Johnny Dovercourt from. Uh, from uh, wavelength, wavelength later on to form be one of the co-founders of Wavelength. Yeah. He he was um, uh, part of a crew of guys who were booking one floor, and uh, anyway, it just evolved. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And I started to, you know. Yeah. And I started booking myself as right. well. So then after I that... I booked, for instance, the Brian Jonestown Massacre. I was going to say, oh, so right. I actually had this wow. on my list. I want to talk about Brian Jonestown Massacre and the White Stripes. You booked... Yeah, the White Stripes was someone... It was actually... It was me booking uh, someone who wanted to put on a, uh, a concert series Okay. in October of 1997. His name was Bernie Pleskish, and he had a great idea at the time, or, or, or an idea I liked, which was um, they wanted to do something called Rocktoberfest, and every weekend would bring up uh, for for a show, for one show, uh, uh, one of the bands from the uh, burgeoning 
uh, neo-garage rock scene in, in Detroit that was happening. Right. And I said, yeah, sure, because um, the first band I really liked uh-huh. who um, played the Club Shanghai was a band called um, The Wild Bunch okay. from um, Detroit. Okay. Who later became the Electric Six? Okay. Um, who had a really good run, many years of uh, being an international touring artist. Anyway, uh-huh. the, the Wild Bunch were terrific. I thought, yeah, this is it. Yeah, yeah. And they got me interested in. Uh, previously, they'd had this was like the first month we were in action. It was about the third week. Yeah. And it was the bookers I had hired who working with somebody else. Got this show was a wild bunch was well attended great bar sales, and this band was great. So I, I, I was immediately sold on Detroit. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> I said, let's get more bands from Detroit. <laughs> anyway, this guy came to me and in, in, in for this October series, and uh, the other band, the Wild Bunch, was part of it, which that completely sold me on it. And so were the Bantam Rooster and the White Stripes. And uh, the White Stripes wasn't a very well attended show. Really? No. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's so funny to but, think about. Uh, but Jack White remembered it well because uh, a couple of years later, uh, summer, actually summer 2002, um, Elliot Lefko, big promoter, uh, have his house of blues at the time uh-huh. later become live nation uh-huh. uh, they had the white stripes he, he was a promoter uh at uh cool house mm-hmm. and uh out of respect he made me co-promoter oh nice so anyways meeting jack white after i told him i reintroduced myself and he asked i said danberg club shanghai he says oh yeah how are the high school hookers <laughs> And they were the opening band. Is that true? Oh, wow. was act from Hamilton. Yeah. I couldn't believe he'd remember. I, I didn't even remember. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. But he, he how were the high well, the name, well, With a name like that. I mean, how were they? Yeah. No, but for him to remember that. <laughs> I do believe, though, that might have been their first show outside of Detroit. Really? The White Stripes? Well, yeah. if you look at the evolution of, right. of yeah. the, the White Stripes yeah, and, yeah. and how early that was. Yeah. That might have been the first show ever outside of Damn. I So I can't take complete credit for that. I, but, but still, I did create a club where I was working, you know. Yeah. yeah that was the beginning of the development of community. Right. Yeah. You know, you got to be connected to a lot of people. You got to be working with a lot of people to yeah. properly fill up a club. Totally. You know, yeah. with, with, you know, sufficient bookings to. Yeah. Create the necessary revenue mm-hmm. to pay the bills, yeah. and and also just understanding and, and 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 tapping into what at the time and con- like constantly tapping into what is like a becomes a movement later on because like you know you have bands like the Deadly Snakes as well who would fit into that kind of garage rock kind of world and they were all kind of coming up at the same time and it's like there was definitely a moment that I wonder if you felt it at the time. Or well, yeah, De- Deadly Snakes were a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Deadly Snakes took an interest in uh, in this club as soon as I opened it. Right. And uh, they, they were actually, I did, was doing some research. There was something, Now Magazine at the time, The Weekly, had a, a, a weekly feature called uh, 
a band spotlight or something. Mm-hmm. And I, when I started, I opened it up one week, and there was this band before we'd opened, and they were called the Deadly Snakes, and they were all, uh, they were sort of uh, uh, all over a pool table, right? Leaning and lounging all over, lounging all over a pool table. <laughs> And I really liked the look of them. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea what the sound like because there's no, there's no, uh, there's no audio in the mix. There's no, well, there's no, well, there's no, there's no, there's no there's, link. There's to no it. internet. Yeah, yeah exactly there's no link. True. It's 1997. Yeah, but I went to see them play at the uh, at the uh, Rivoli. Okay, and uh, they weren't conventionally good looking, or and the lead frontman didn't have a conventionally great voice, but there was something about them. And I quite liked them and I wanted to buck them. Right, right, right. right. And uh, so that, uh, it, and we, it ultimately it happened. And uh, uh, Sloan yeah. took an interest and booked a show with us. And uh, so it's a Nico Case. Yeah. Uh, who went on to great things when she was backed by the Sadies. Bow Wow Wow, I had. That was my own catch. Okay. Uh, I was, I subscribed to a a publication called Polestar. Okay. Which had a list of uh, all these, uh, of tourists. Right. And I noticed uh, that Bow Wow Wow was on tour. I knew who Bow Wow Wow was. Great band from the punk New Wave era, Mm -hmm. English band. And uh, I saw that there was a gap. New York, between New York and Detroit, maybe. Right. Anyway, but within range of Toronto, right. there was a gap, a date, Phil, and I contacted the uh, manager, I think it was, and uh, the and not the, he wasn't an agent, a manager and, uh, in San Francisco. And I booked that show, Bow Wow. Yeah, yeah. And when I was talking to him, he said, hey, I got another band. Uh, you might be interested. And I said, yeah, who? He said, the Brian Jonestown Massacre. <laughs> and I'd heard of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And that was March 1998. That was uh, looking ahead, March 1998. I think uh, Bow Wow was in January. And... Uh, Brian Jonestown was in uh, March, that's True. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, that's how it all got rolling. Right, right. right. So then, so as these, as you move on through venue to venue, was the show... So, was so I carry on to the... Then I go to the, the Elma Combo. Yeah. And uh, not even... I wasn't even the house booker. It's just they gave me the... Uh, they wanted to book more shows in the upstairs room. Right. They weren't getting no... no House of Blues wasn't going to them. Nobody was bringing, no big promoters uh, were bringing shows to the uh, the Elma Combo. Yeah. Or very few. They were very sparse. Mm-hmm. And it was basically local stuff. And right. uh, nobody wanted to play upstairs because it was kind of a big room. Mm-hmm. You know, calf about, well, 250 legal, but five, you could put 500 in there. Right. And, um, and it was the way it was. The bars were on either either end of the room. It was sort of horizontal, like the like the silver dollar was, and the stage was in the middle. So uh, 
you know, you needed a lot of people in that room for the band to feel. You feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, at least a hundred, yeah, to, to start. Totally, yeah, yeah. And so bands didn't want to play it. Right. right. Anyway, I changed. I just, I started doing my thing, you know, and uh, I'd come from. The, I'd learned a few things and made a few contacts at Club of Shanghai. Brian Jones and Master, I got had for August at the Elma Combo upstairs. Right. And, uh, but I was also in touch with Detroit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, the Dirt Palms, mm-hmm. um, the Go, oh, there's a lot of uh, Detroit acts. And uh, bands from Montreal, Tricky Woo, The Deers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, New York, yeah, this was another thing, interesting. Uh, uh, as as a, I, I had no experience in music or music industry, whatever. All I had coming into this was a journalist, and which is a good experience to have because as a journalist, you know how to do research. You, you know, right. your, your whole job is finding out information, right. yeah, and yeah. that's good. That's what you do as a booker too. Totally want to know, you know, who are the good bands? Who, who's <laughs> Yeah, who can totally. make this happen? Who can make that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. anyways, uh, somebody told me about some bands in New York who they thought were cool. One was called the Toilet Boys. Another was called, um, um, oh, jeez. That'll come to me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the, the Toilet Boys. And um, uh, I had to figure out how to get in touch with them. And uh, somebody gave me the phone number for Babe Buell, the great, um, the mother of uh, Liv Tyler. Okay. There. She was Stephen Tyler's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Babe okay. Buell's a very famous mm-hmm. groupie, if you will. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've been with everybody. Um, but uh, an interesting moment. Anyway, I phoned her up and she was really. Um, Really uh, helpful. Gave me a phone number for the Toilet Boys. Um, so, yeah, somebody puts me in touch with Babe Buell, um, Liv Tyler's mom, Stephen Tyler's ex, um, who uh, was still uh, being a godmother to um, to bands. Mm-hmm. And um, there was two bands that I wanted contact info for, and they were the Toilet Boys out of New York City, the last of the great glam bands, right, the, right, the, the right, dirty, Lower East Side glam bands, right, uh, fronted by Miss Guy, who was a, um, I guess you call it trans front, mm-hmm. um, and um, the other one was the Wild Bunch, and they were from Boston, yeah, um, and uh, they got all dressed up in Louis the Fourteenth. Outfits, you know, yeah. straight out of Versailles, uh-huh. and they played the original stuff, yeah, exactly like ACDC would. Right, right. So this, it was, it was very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. they were pros at it, yeah. and uh, I had them up to the uh, the Toilet Boys. I brought up many times, like pro- at least three times. They yeah. were they were spectacular, and. Um, the Wild Bunch had up twice. The second time like, uh, they played, uh, that was a really special night because um, Janine Garofolo and Will Farrell came. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew Janine was in, in, in 
Toronto because she's here shooting something. Yeah. And she asked, she had one of her staff contact the the Elma Combo, me, <laughs> and uh, to find out, get a, get a reservation for a certain show. Not right. that you needed a reservation for it. Yeah. It was for a band called Demon Speed from New Jersey. Okay. Who she was a fan of. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, it was my show, and uh, yeah, uh, sure. Whatever Damn. she needs. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, Yes, it's an all. But I remember t- at, at that at that uh, Uppercrust show, I remember going to her several times and saying, you got to come see this band, The Toilet Boys. Because I think they were coming the next week or the week after. I remember telling me, Dan, if you don't shut up about The Toilet Boys. <laughs> but it was, you know, I wasn't offended. Or anything. I had it. Yeah, a, you, you, you liked it. kind of a good, no. She was easy to, easy to talk to. Yeah. Um, Kind of like Ronnie Spector of the Ronettes mm-hmm. right, yeah, yeah. was like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I found it, it was like someone you grew up with. Right, right, oh, right. Really? Someone, someone you've just always known. They're my, they're my own kind, these yeah. people. Yeah, cut from the same cloth. Um, yeah, well, they were, you know what? Uh, Montreal's, I always see it as a an East Coast city. Right, totally. Right. Yeah, 100%. And they're, they're New Yorkers, right? There's, mm. there's always going to be a kinship. Yeah, totally. the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, so mm. then the last kind of thing I wanted to talk about was sort of the silver dollar era and it coming to an end and how you feel about what it is now, I guess. Because it's technically still there, right? Yeah. It, you know, what's, what, what? technically what it is is exactly as I predicted. And I know, I, I know this, I... I <clears throat> became really cognizant of this um, recently because the uh, the former owner of the Silver Dollar, uh, Dave Yarmus, who was the, the owner of it all along, mm-hmm. um, you know, until of course uh, he had to surrender the his lease, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the building to uh, the developer. Um, he's got a lawsuit against um, really. Uh, yeah, for, uh, over the name. Who owns the name? Right, yeah, the yeah, Silver yeah. Dollar Room. What ha- what has happened to the Silver Dollar is exactly what I told everyone right. is going to happen. Despite what what Joe Cressy says, yes, there will be a live venue again, and and the 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 uh, developer saying, yeah, we're going to re- recreate the Silver Dollar. Yeah, there is no guarantee. Yeah. And in fact, it is highly unlikely that it'll ever be a live venue again. Right. You know, they could just put the name of the Silver Dollar on it, recreate the, um, you know, the uh, the, the environment with some of the furnishings, the bar, for instance, and uh, you know, create a a student uh, pub or as close to U of T. Those (laughs) pubs do quite well. Yeah. Um, Or or whatever they choose Mm. to. Yeah. And in fact. They've been able to create nothing yeah. there. They've been they, they it, it is still not operating. Right. Even though, yeah. and I, I I read a story, and when now magazine was still publishing on its last legs, deservedly so. Um, <laughs> well, I certainly felt that way when I read this. What was what should have been a paid ad yeah. for these developers yeah. right. presenting oh, yeah. the new silver dollar. Yeah. And very high in the story. We were the, the reader was assured that the notorious uh-huh. Dan Burke yeah. would not be a part of this, uh-huh. and they weren't assured. It was just it was meant it was written yeah. clearly yeah. 
the notorious. But this writer, Richard Trapinski, I mean, man, you know, what, what kind of writer are you? The, the word notorious, that's like for Al Capone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> for a music book. Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> and notorious. Yeah, come on. Get yeah. over it. You know, what, what, what I've been on the, the, the FBI's most wanted list? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, I found it very, very, yeah. very... Um, I found that the article was incredibly slavish to these developers. Yeah, and like I said, I it should have been you know when they when they, when they yeah, identify all paid for. Um, edit- yeah, it, it's it's not editorial <laughs> advertisement or whatever, whatever yeah. they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna yeah. open up a can of worms. That I felt what that, that was, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. But they, I knew that with the you know creating a new building and all that, they were the. the they were going to go by the same rent that it previously right, was, right? You know, yeah, Waverly level rent. Yeah. You know, Damn. this wasn't the Waverly anymore. Yeah, this was. Yeah, this was uh, this was a, a brand new building, and that rent. When when one knows the financial dynamics of our business, uh, and that that being a, a small mid sized uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. live club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't go above a certain rent right, to, right. to have that 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 venue yeah. uh, succeed as a business. Yeah, totally. Yeah. To even break even, you know. Yeah, yeah. To stay alive. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, it was perfectly clear to me that there, unless Live Nation comes along and, and, and wants to, you know, because Live Nation just. You know, yeah, printing money has the deepest pockets of you know <laughs> yeah. one of the oh yeah. oh yeah deepest corporate pockets in the world, uh, very, especially yeah. in, in music for sure. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's and you know, I mean, Live Nation, uh, I mean, uh, a monopoly or, or close to a monopoly is, is isn't a great thing, but um, yeah, I mean, they do a pretty good job. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, any, anyway, be the world's for, becoming more corporate. Yeah, yeah, there's always much more monopolized. But I think that the, the thing at the end thing. of the day to, to take away is that there's always, no matter what, going to be the niche. We're always going to want to go to the shows that you book, that people like Greg Benedetto book, that like that DIY. Well, that's yeah, Greg, like, uh, Greg, yeah, Greg's doing extremely well. That's, yeah. that's, I would like to, you know, mm-hmm. listen. I'm winding down. I'm I'm going to be 66 years old mm-hmm. next week, and. Uh, you know the distance, of the age distance between me and and, and you know newer bands. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know I I can always play the role of like a coach in sports, right? Right. You know, a coach or a GM in sports. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Doesn't have to be a, a um, doesn't have to be on the on the front line. A contemporary of, of yes, uh, totally. Yeah. As players, we need mentors. No, we need. Yeah, the, it's you know? true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We totally need that. I think that's something that the city lacks. However. You know, in in order to do that, uh, I don't know. You start running out of gas a bit. Yeah. Anyway, I do, we do have the the class of twenty twenty four coming up. Yep. And some great shows. Josh's band Thermal is on mm-hmm. the first show of the series, yep. January fifth, which I um, which I really like. I've gotten with Banzi. He doesn't know, mm-hmm. but if you've listened to them, yeah, yeah, no, it's gonna they, be, it's gonna be sick. <coughs> will I do class of twenty twenty five? Well, I think the 
the series should definitely continue because it is a platform. Yeah. Right. And yeah. the reason I made the series in the first place yeah. was a move, was a complete. It, it was see, it was seizing the day or the month, right? Because the it's month a, of January, January it's, a, it's a, the Turing circuit. It stops. Freezes up. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. True. Especially up here in Canada, uh-huh. right? Nobody wants literally. There's it. <laughs> it, just a general um, uh, slow lessening down, yeah. of, of, the, yeah, of the whole yeah. touring circuit. Yeah. In, totally. In the winter. Totally. Um, awesome. And so. Let's create something to Let's create something yeah. special. We can, we can help. Out. And get right. people out to and shows we're, that well, they we're, we're pushing it here. might yeah. not have otherwise attended. 100%. Yeah, that's what we're here for. Awesome. Dan, yeah. thank you thank so you much so for much coming for on the coming pod. On. This was wonderful. You are a legend in the city. And I'm happy we got to have this conversation because you've done so much. I've known you for so long. There's just, you have such an interesting life and you've done so much for the Toronto music community mm-hmm. as we just heard for the last hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible, man. Yeah. If you can cut some of the wind out of my... <laughs> Don't worry, I'll, I'll make it sound good. And the last question the is... The long wind in What it. song would you like as your fade-out song? Usually we fade... Sorry, we fade into a, a, a song as a, the guest's choice. What would you like this to be? Uh, let's do the last rock song um, I've ever liked. <laughs> <laughs> that caught my ear. Uh, it's by um, Soundtrack of Our Lives, who I worked with. And... Uh, it's called uh, Sister Surround. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Thank you Thank very you much. Man.